HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, this is Lisa Held, and you're listening to Behind the Label with American Humane, produced by Heritage Radio Network for Springer Mountain Farms. This is the fourth episode of a special podcast series that dives into what the American Humane Certified Label really stands for, and how Springer Mountain Farms, specifically, applies the label standard to raising healthy, happy chickens in the hills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. With me again today is Robin Gansert, the president and CEO of American Humane. Welcome back, Robin. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Great. And today we also have with us Ken Martin, Springer Mountain Farms Broiler Production Manager. Ken, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm always uh, excited to talk to farmers to find out what's happening on the ground. So um, we're thrilled to have you on today as part of this series, uh, the first farmer on the series. So, um, so let's start there. How did you get into farming? Did you grow up on a farm? No, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I always enjoyed going to farms in the fall with my dad. We lived in Maryland and uh, so anyhow, I came to Georgia and graduated in ag engineering and Worked on a dairy farm while I was in school, and, and uh, over time I um, had met some people, and eventually they were running the operations here at Springer Mountain Farms, and they hired me to come here about 29 years ago. Wow. So almost three decades working specifically for Springer Mountain Farms. That's right. There's a lot of people here that have been here a long time. Huh. Um, and how have the operations changed in that time? How has the, the company changed? Well, the company's still family owned, so that part of it hasn't changed, but the operations has changed tremendously. The grow it operation is is totally different than what it was thirty years ago. Uh, a chicken house is is have they've gotten way bigger. Um, <laughs> and and the the farm sizes have gotten bigger where kind of growing chickens used to be, you know, mom's gonna be home and we're gonna grow in two small houses to now it's a large scale business and many of our farms are six or eight houses or even bigger. Um, the equipment is totally different. When I first started, they had uh, 
open drinkers where basically the chickens all kind of drank out of a trough. Mm -hmm. And and that's a, it's a, you don't want to do that at a restaurant right now either, but it's a great way to spread disease. <laughs> so we, we now have everything, I don't know, it's been probably 28 years ago, went to an enclosed nipple type drinker system. So all the birds have get to drink by themselves. They'll, they'll wait in turns to take a drink, but they're not drinking out of the same pot. And, and also the feeders, uh, the pan shapes and the sizes have all changed based. A lot of that's based on animal welfare. Uh, some of the old ones, the birds could get trapped in the pan and now they have a lot less. It looks like a spoke on a wheel, but there's a lot less. So the birds won't become trapped and they can freely, freely feed. And the ventilation's changed a lot. It used to be we had cross ventilated houses where the, the air would be pulled by fans from one side to the other side. And now it's gone the other way. You'll hear the term tunnel ventilation and growing chickens, but there's a large bank of feeds on one end of the house. And these houses okay. are all, all of ours are nearly 500 feet long now. So the air comes in one end of the house and exit the other at about 600 feet a minute is what's needed for uh, chickens in our, you know, Georgia heat. And mm. uh, so that gives another seven or eight degrees cooling. So the birds are much more comfortable in the, in the newer type houses. And the other major thing that came out was was we have controllers in the house, which is nothing more than a small computer. Years ago, you would go around with thermostats and set each fan and each furnace and all that kind of stuff. But now you tell the, the house what temperature you want to start at, which typically is 90. And then you give it set points like day 7, day 20, day, and you give it an assigned temperature. So every four hours, that controller moves that target temperature by every many hundredths of a degree that's required in order to meet that curve so the birds follow a very nice temperature curve that keeps them totally in the zone they want to be in temperature wise and also to do that what the controller does it tells the fans when to run and when it needs more fans and it'll open up air openings down the side of the house to start with but eventually it will tell when the fourth big fan comes on it will close the sides and open the front end up and put the birds into tunnel ventilation so Everything that's run in that house is now computer driven. So it's not yeah. reliant on somebody to be there at the right minute. Right. Like, so like, like many things in the last 30 years, more, more technology, right? <laughs> that's right. The technology is totally different. Right. Um, and how many farmers are there total now raising chickens for the company? We have 286 farmers uh, located and everything's within 60 miles of, of our office in Baldwin, Georgia. So we're in the upstate of of Georgia, well, North Georgia, and then the lower upstate of South Carolina, which is still within 60 miles of our office. Okay. So it's all kind of centered on one geographic area. Um, and tell me a little bit about your job. Um, do you just oversee those operations? Are you actually at the farms um, day to day? I have 25 wonderful people that work for me that are all very good at what they do in the chicken industry. A lot of them have been here as long as I have. So their job is to be on the farm every day. There, we will be on every farm every week uh, to look at the chickens, and we are all on call twenty four seven. So, at any time a, gr a grower has an issue or has a question, they're free to call any of us night or day, and uh, we will respond. And by having the close geographics, I can be at any farm and within about an hour and fifteen minutes from this office. So, anything that would require me, I am there. I I do. Go to all the farms. We we had another audit this week, so I was on over 20 farms so far this week, just meeting with the growers and 
uh, taking the auditor to a farm to look at, at the operations. Wow. Um, and Robin, do you work regularly um, with Ken and with other uh, production managers? Like, what, what's the relationship between someone in his role and the American Humane Certified staff? Yeah. Such a great question. And, and Ken, great to, to visit with you again. You know, I've been in America you may now a decade working alongside you. And, you know, I was just thinking about it. It's Springer Mountain's been with us at American Humane for 20 years. So for most of uh, your time at Springer Mountain, we've been your partner for animals. And I just, uh, I think that says a lot about uh, Springer Mountain's commitment to excellent practices in animal welfare. So thank you, Ken, for what you do. And I I also love the fact that you just said every farm, every week, you're on call 24-7, and you're within an hour and 15 minutes of all of your farms with the Springer Mountain Network. And that's that's stunning. Uh, that's really stunning. And for those of us that love animals, it's really great to know that Ken is there on the job being their voice. So, Ken, thank you for what you do. Uh, we're glad to do it. We're glad, glad to talk to you again. I know we've seen each other several times. Yes, absolutely. And to answer your question, Lisa, it's a great question. Every relationship that we have in our Humane Heartland Farm Animal Welfare Program is unique, and it really does depend on the size and the scope of each producer. For many producers, our primary contact, who is the person who's in charge of animal welfare. So many of our farmers have people whose entire job is animal welfare. And I think that's a real testament to the care and effort our farmers put into their operations. The animals always come first, and they do with Ken. Uh, We often work with production supervisors to schedule on-farm audits, and those audits depend on many things, like when the barns are full of birds or have been recently emptied. Production managers and supervisors are able to tell us when we can catch transportation and all other aspects of the growing process. And we want to make sure at American Humane that the entire life cycle of the animal is indeed humane. You know, beyond scheduling, production managers will often reach out to us with questions about our standards. For instance, they may have new equipment or maybe moving to a new production system. And when auditors or American Humane staff are on the farm, the supervisors will always accompany our personnel and give us a great overview, like Ken does all the time across the board of what's happening, just like Ken does at Springer Mountain. Right. And you mentioned audits, and I had a question about that. Ken mentioned there's 286 farmers now at Springer Mountain. Um, When American Humane does an audit of the company, does it visit every one of the 286 farmers? I I love this question, and I'm going to let Ken talk about it, too, because I think it's so very important. Springer Mountain Farms is a great example. It's not just one farm. Uh, it's a company with a network of growers raising broiler chickens on many farms. Uh, so how do you audit the overall company and and the like? And when we certify a producer like Springer Mountain, we aren't just certifying one. We are looking indeed at the entire company. We perform numerous audits so we can get a snapshot of the process in its entirety. We want to audit bonds that are new, that are old, and all those that are using different technology within their operations. So truly, our certification encompasses the entire production chain, including hatcheries and transportation. So when new farmers come on, um, 
do you have to train them in the American Humane Certified Standards? How do you kind of bring them on and get them up to speed on the animal welfare standards that Springer Mountain uh, follows? Well, when any time we, we take on a new grower or, you know, a farm changes hands, is either sold or we build new houses. If, if we have a new grower, we, we spend, somebody's on that farm every single day for the entire first flock of chickens. So, and then we'll be there at least three times a week on, on flocks following that. And anytime they need somebody or have a question, we'll, we'll be on that farm. Hands-on training is the best thing. You can't give somebody a book and tell them to read it. Uh, and a lot of times we have people that start out that don't know anything about farming. So we get as low as how do you start the tractor? You know, what do you do? And But we're there all the time. And obviously growing chickens in August is different than growing chickens in December uh, mm. with the weather patterns and all. So if, as long as somebody is there teaching them, they do a great job and they're taught forever. But all all of the, the uh, American Humane Standards, that's just part of our standard growing package. I mean, it's... It's something that we've adopted years ago. And so it's not something different or new compared to, we, we don't have some of the growers do one thing, some do another. Everybody has to do the same thing. And all of it will is part of those standards is, is just part of Fieldale's Grow Out program. Right. So let's talk about some of those standards. You know, I think it, when you were talking about um, how technology has changed and how the company has changed, you started to kind of talk a little bit about what the operations themselves look like. But, you know, I'm curious to get into if a listener visited one of your farms and looked around, what would they see that reflects the American Humane Certified Standards? Like, what are some of the practices that happen on every farm um, that really stand out? Well, I take a lot of visitors to farms, just like when Robin was in or other people from American Humane visit us. We go to farms. And one thing they and anybody else says when they visit one of our farms is, they're amazed at how clean and neat the farms are. Um, we know that that everybody's opinion of us and Springer Mountain Farms is what they see driving down the highway. So we want that to be immaculate. And we work on that all the time. So even though that's not part of the standard, part of the standards say you have to trim the grass and that kind of thing. But that's also done for, you know, it's although it looks nice, it's also got a practical purpose for taking control of rodents on a farm. Rodents will not cross mowed grass because birds of prey can see them. They don't want to be seen. So the best way to make a farm reduce any kind of rodents that it may have would also be to keep it awfully neat and very clean and the grass mowed and trimmed. And so, like I said, it's a great impression on the public, and it also is a great way to take care of the farm. But the other things that they notice when they come to one of our farms is is the everybody's always amazed we go in the house and how much room the chickens have to move around in that house um you gotta remember one of our new houses is is now 54 feet wide and 500 feet long so the house is bigger than a half an acre and those birds are free to roam inside that house and that the air is always nice and fresh you know the the computers are driving that you you said you know where you want it to be so it remains that way 24 7. the lights are nice and bright the birds can see easily it's, it's normally people think that they're going to see something negative based on what the social media may portray. But when they come in, they're always very positive. And we do, because of COVID, we have not been doing tours. But normally we have several tours every month with anything from a high school group to our customer base to American Humane. Uh, and everybody is always astounded uh, by it. 
and a lot of it is, you know, it, it, it does have to do with your standards in part, in part, it's, it's your standards are a scientific way of how to do the right thing. And so we are all about scientific methods to produce chickens and, and the backing that, that your standards have. It's not just a wild guess number that somebody threw out there, but most people are very impressed with the farms and the room for the chickens and the health of the chickens and how pretty they look walking around. So, uh, and all of that is just due in part, there's, there's a number of standards that are American Humane standards, but mostly they're also just the proper way to care and, and provide welfare for chickens. Yeah. What about the way that farmers interact with the animals themselves? Like, does the standard um, regulate that? Like, anything about the handling of the chickens? Well, it there's lots of things in there. You know, most of the time, the, the growers are just walking through, and they're walking very slow. Almost every farmer wants to do the right thing because his live his his family income is based on how he works on a farm. So they're not out to do something wrong. And as long as we educate them on what's the right thing, then they almost always do that. Um, sometimes other things go on in their life where they don't pay the attention to the chickens they do, should have. And that's where we come in and redirect uh, what their attention needs to be spent on. But, you know, their intent is to do the right thing all the time. And, you know, part of that even comes into, you know, it, it like anything, there, there's sometimes they have to euthanize a bird that's you know, lame or something and, and how to mm -hmm. do that as painlessly as possible and how uh, all that has to be conducted. We, we teach that hands on uh, to everyone and, and that is carried out everywhere correctly. So, but that the farmer's trying to do the right thing and they didn't get, you know, it's a passion. No, there's not a farmer out there that, that it's not his passion. If it isn't, he's not going to be a farmer for long. Right. Do you think that um, the American Humane Standards um, that, you know, you've, you've been following them and then watching other growers, yep. you know, abide by them for a very long time. Do you think that they result in healthier broiler chickens? Like, do you see evidence of that on the farms? Absolutely. And, and going back, and, and as I said, we've, we've been working with American Humane for over 20 years now. And when we first started working with American Humane, we... We had a split program. Not all of our birds were under that American Humane uh, title. And one of the things was a reduced density with American Humane. And what we saw was, was the, the chickens lived better. They performed better. Everything about them was improved. And so we took that across our whole company. Uh, we, we saw the positive results from that meeting those criteria. And so we took it across the whole company, even the birds that weren't under that program at the time, but now 100% of our production is now under the uh, American Humane program. Oh, that's interesting. So you were able to do a little comparison at that point. Um, and Robin, do you have data on that? I was just thinking, um, as Ken was talking about it, like it does American Humane keep research data on on the outcomes on the farms that are certified? Absolutely, we do. And we have an incredible, you know, scientific advisory committee that we've talked about in, in some of our previous episodes together. And these scientists do take that data and they help to build on improvements in animal welfare practices over the years. Just as Ken so incredibly and beautifully described earlier about how it's changed over his 30 years, uh, our practices have also improved based on science. 
uh, and evidence-based practices, and importantly, based on what's happening in the barns, and our scientists have taken that data and been able to make improvements for the uh, the sake of the animal. I will also tell you, too, just so as you know, uh, Ken, my freezer is full of Springer Mountain Farms chicken. It's really an outstanding product, and I really do appreciate, and I know, the great links that you go to and your farmers go to to raise those animals humanely. And we're really proud uh, of um, of all the work you've done all these years. Uh, and importantly, too, just so you know, Lisa, if one farm in a network doesn't meet an aspect of a standard in an audit process we've talked about, you know, if a farm fails an audit, uh, they have to be re-audited. And just like Ken said earlier, when they when someone makes a mistake on the farm, he gets them refocused. Even if a farm is failing an audit, that's when it's time to get everyone refocused, and they have to be re-audited. And uh, not just not just that particular farm, but they need to they need to make sure they get that gr- that grade on that audit. And we work with that farmer to address the issues and work with Ken so that he can help address through a corrective action plan to build on that progress that uh, that farmers made in terms of animal welfare. So there's a lot that goes into this. It's a rigorous process. Again, backed by those incredible scientists on our scientific advisory committee uh, and backed by the research that happens on those farms. Right. Um, Ken also said something earlier that um, made me think it made me think of a question, which is that, you know, there's a, a difference in raising chickens in the summer versus the winter and, and that the Georgia heat is a, a big factor. Um, and I, it made me think, is there... Is there a, um, does the standard, the American Humane Standard, have to take into account geography um, when it, you know, in terms of the standard itself and auditing? Well, the standards don't change, but the standards do take into account a whole host of factors that go on in those barns. And importantly, too, Ken said something at the very beginning, the barns have gotten larger. And at American Humane, it's very important that we state this, regardless of the size of the farm, uh, the size of the barn, how you treat an animal humanely does not change. And that's very, very important. So while the barns may have gotten larger, you can still treat every single one of those animals humanely. And that's really uh, our our value set and our um, our value add in this conversation. So when someone asks me, oh, how about a big farm? Is that Can that big farm be humane? Absolutely, they can be humane because, again, the standards are the standards. It's regardless of number, regardless of geography, the standards are built around what makes that animal um, following the five freedoms, uh, safe from you know pain and as security and food and, and enrichments. That is all significant. Significant amount of work goes in developing those standards, and it doesn't matter the size of the farm uh, or geography. You know, we've been saying in the beginning of all these episodes that uh, Springer Mountain Farms raises healthy, happy chickens. And it occurred to me, Ken, that I wanted to ask you, what does a healthy, happy chicken look like? How do you know when a chicken is well taken care of? Well, you know, a chickens are kind of like any other animal that you can tell when they're depressed and you can tell when they're not. And, uh, you know, you, it's very easy when you walk into a farm with the when the birds are all holding their heads upright and, and they're alert and their eyes are alert that that they're doing well and they're fairly happy and healthy. But 
you know, any animal, you, if you got a dog or a cat, you know, when they're not feeling well, it's pretty easy to see, you know, all of a sudden they become lethargic or something. So it's very easy to tell. And, and, uh, you know, one thing that, that Robin had pointed out, you know, about the farms, we have never had a farm fail their audit. <laughs> we will wow. re redirect, we will redirect that attention way before it got anywhere close to what would be considered a failure. Mm. And, uh, that that's not allowable here for any stretch of imagination, but, um, they do, her scientists are great folks. I've known a lot of them. I've attended a lot of their lectures. They are, you know, there. I think I know of three and there may be four that are poultry scientists. They're not beef cattle. They're not dairy. They are just straight up poultry scientists. So they understand what those, the, the, the regulations are not regulations, but, but the, the standards of the program are. And so they do understand when we talk about bird densities or lighting programs or feeding and, and that type of thing. So it's, it's a very great organization to be associated with. And, and the audits are very encompassing when they're here, even internally, we have two um, welfare auditors and, and they go quarterly. They look at anywhere that people touch chickens in, inside the processing plant or the live haul operations or the hatcheries, and, and so we look at that, but when the auditor comes in for American Humane, uh, we, they will go to every processing plant, they will go to the hatcheries, and they will go to a third of the farms every year. So in a three-year cycle, we see every farm that we have in production. If we add a new farm, they always go to that farm also the year it's added. So every, every bit of that is, is well audited by, by American Humane. Right. So we're going to wrap up, but um, I wanted to just ask you, Ken, you mentioned that um, you do tours of the farms. Obviously, right now, uh, we are in the midst of um, a pandemic and things are difficult, and I'm sure those are not happening. But um, when things return to normal, is that something that is open to the public? Can people come and tour a farm? It's not really open to the public because we want to protect our chickens, you know. Of course. Um, we, we, we watched this pandemic and, and we have watched pandemic diseases in chickens for years. And this, this COVID is acting, it, it's a coronavirus, just like animals get into different viruses. And we don't want anybody in contact with our chickens that has any other type of poultry whatsoever, any other kind of bird. They have viruses that are transmitted back and forth also. So um, we don't allow the general public, but if it was a group that American Humane would like to bring in, I'm sure we're open to an, you know, a visit. Um, like I say, all of our customers, we want to show them what American Humane means in, in, to us. And we go out and we look at the houses and we show them the birds. And I have never had anybody say anything negative. And I've been on hundreds of tours. And uh, almost everybody is, is greatly relieved of any anxieties they had about the process of growing chickens. So, but yeah, as far as the general public, no, we can't give them access to our chickens. Yeah, I, I was not thinking about. It. I know that biosecurity is is really important on on farms, so that makes sense. Um, well, thank you, Ken, so much for for giving us a a peek inside uh, the farm. Well, thanks for asking. It's always the best thing to do is if somebody's got a question, is ask. And I appreciate you asking, and I and I do appreciate America Humane and all the folks that work for them. And when they come to visit, we're, we're glad to see them. Great. And Robin, thank you so much for being on the show again. Well, I'm thrilled always to be on the show. And Ken, my best wishes to you and yours and everyone at Springer Mountain. Thanks for listening to the fourth episode of Behind the Label with American Humane. 
Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll keep digging deeper into American Humane Certified scientific standards for poultry and how Springer Mountain Farms applies those standards. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. This program is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast. 